for Russian Doll, and our guest reader is Gina Marie Rodriguez, and she is... An actress, writer, director, festival director, among many other things. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So we have someone here reading other than us, which is awesome to have some estrogen in here, and we don't have to pretend to be females and try to understand some of this stuff. Uh, we have somebody to give us a, a better POV on what's going on, so this should be fun. Pilot, teleplay by Leslie Headland. Darkness. Sound effects. Thumping bass of good music in a nearby room. Sound effects. Water gushing like flood. Or maybe a faucet? Sound effects. A single deafening knock end. Hard cut to. Reflection of a woman in a mirror of a home spa style. Interior, bathroom, night. This woman is Nadia, 36. Troubled, but one of the good guys. Clad in all black, her style and attitude are the perfect marriage of feminine and masculine. She stares at herself, eerily still. The water sounds continues. There's a harsh second knock at the door. Over her indecipherable and placid face, the title card, Russian doll. Pull out to reveal she is washing her hands. She turns off the faucet. The water sound stops. She goes for the door. A sculpture paper mache art piece covers the door. It resembles a portal or a mouth, but it's just a piece of art. As Nadia's hand reaches out for the handle, shaped like a revolver, a loud third knock pounds the door and it flies open, wham. Several party guests collide with her and spill into the bathroom. A cacophony of music and conversation fill the empty space as Nadia goes down the rabbit hole into interior Stella's loft, continuous. Crowded, almost labyrinthian party at a sweeping loft space in the legendary Tolman building in the East Village with 30-foot ceilings and views of Tompkins Square Park. We steady cam float with Nadia through guests and friends. She will periodically wave hello or helpfully light someone's cigarette or receive a peck on the cheek. Many wish her happy birthday, Nadia. This is her birthday party. Party. Soundtrack, Gotta Get Up by Harry Nielsen. Sound effect, snippets of the guests' various conversations overlap. The loft decor is fantastical, almost otherworldly. Painters like Rene Ricard and Brett Whitley line the walls with photographers like Sally Mann and Helmut Newton. The highbrow art mingles with furniture smeared with stains. Carpets ripped to shreds and red-white striped wallpaper. There are also several original art pieces scattered throughout the space, like a chair covered in fluffy penises. A mirror with a manifesto scribbles across it, etc. We follow Nadia too. Interior, Stella's loft, kitchen, continuous. More of an area than a separate room. Stella, 30s, the host of the party, Nadia's friend, and owner of this massive apartment. She prepares a whole roasted chicken. Stella is a successful mixed race media artist. Think Billy Viola. She seems frenetic and unstable at first, but only because she wears her heart on her sleeve, along with casual drug use and unresolved sexual trauma. Stella. Sweet birthday, baby. Offers her a joint. It's laced with cocaine like the Israelis do it. Nadia. Seems reasonable. Nadia takes the joint and puffs. Stella. Always here to help. Waves to guest. Thanks for the lotion, Brooke. Back to Nadia. Who brings lotion to a party? Bring wine. Are you having fun? Oh, God, you're not. I'm a terrible friend. Nadia shrugs. Fun is for suckers. 
Two minutes ago, I turned 36. Staring down the barrel of my own mortality beats fun. Stella. I'm making you a fucking birthday chicken. Don't be morbid, Nadia. Nadia. Bathroom door came out well. Stella. Thanks, I hate it. But I'm commissioned to make three, so I had to start somewhere. Nadia. Come on, everyone loves paper mache. They're great, and people will buy them, and I love you, and I can't wait to eat my birthday chicken, even though we're all gonna die soon. Thank you for my party spells. A guest approaches them. Lizzie, 30s. Gender fluid meets old school butch. A contractor and a handyman type. Lizzie. Happy birthday, buddy. Stells, the door turned out great. Stella. Thanks, Lizzie. Lizzie. You gotta deal with this kitchen, though. Open plan that shit. Let me knock that wall out. Nadia. Are we playing euphemisms? Lizzie. I'm dead serious. This layout is fucked. You having fun? Stella to Lizzie. Oh, God, we just went through this. She's having a terrible time. Nadia. I'm fence straddling. Lizzie, you're a good person to talk to about this because you love to fuck a lot of young chicks. Lizzie affirms this. Do girls have midlife crises? Lizzie. Who identifies as girl anymore? Nadia. Good point. Stella. You're 36, Nads, not 40. Nadia. No, but I smoke. I have the internal organs of a man twice my age. 36 times two, so if I make it to the low 70s, I'll be shocked. Beat. Both look at Nadia, quizzically. She sighs. Nadia continued. Oatmeal's gone. Stella and Lizzie speak at the same time. Stella. You brought oatmeal to the party? Lizzie. What do you mean, gone? Nadia continued. I woke up, made coffee, made his food, went to the deli, came back. His food was still there. He wasn't. Stella. Did he leave a note or something? Nadia. No, he's a cat, so yeah, no note. Lizzie hugs Nadia, then turns around to face the crowded party full of guests. Potential guys, potential girls. Lizzie. I'm sorry, Nads. He'll be back. He's got nine lives, right? Turns Nadia to the party. All you have to do tonight is make some choices. Soundtrack, Can't Take My Eyes Off You by Lauren Hill. Nadia. I love this song. Always reminds me of the deer hunter. Lizzie. Dee Dee Mao, motherfucker. Nadia. Umamai, indeed. Jump cuts. Dancing guests. Talking guests. Drunk and destructive guests. Cute guys and girls. Some just weird. Back on Nadia's. Soaks in the crowd. Interior Stella's loft. Bedroom. Separated by the party by a partition, decor same, noise of revelry, large exotic fish in a huge lit up tank, Nadia looks at them while she cruises. Mike is an African-American divorcee, almost professorial in his style. We get the feeling this is not Nadia's first rodeo with a cute, overeducated, talkative single man, Mike. So when they say working class, they mean people who cannot afford a college education and end up greeting at Walmart because they didn't learn to write code for computer software. They feel sidelined by the American dream and resort to xenophobia and bigotry, which the right stoke with pundit bullying. Nadia. Is that kids? Mike. That's your pickup line? Nadia. Hasn't failed me yet. Mike. Yes. A son. His mom. We broke up last year. You? Nadia. Nah, I got a cat. Nadia reflects on this. Does she still have a cat? She had said it out of a habit, but the statement now seems like a lie. Mike, this place is incredible. Nadia. Used to be a school for Jews. Mike, as if this were a joke. Right. Nadia. Oh, seriously. Yeshiva students used to read the Talmud right here where he's standing. She gets closer to him, leaning into him. Mike. Wow. Do you live here? Nadia. No, it's just my party. She touches him somewhere. Mike. Come on, pretty strong. Nadia. I'm having a midlife crisis. Mike tries to slow her down. Backs away, maybe. Mike. What do you do? Nadia. I write code. Mike. No. Really. Nadia. 
You're surprised? Mike, you just don't seem like a programmer. Where? Nadia. I freelance now, but I used to be at Rock and Roll Games. Mike, no shit. Play Dark Justice all the time. Battleground Blackout 2. What's your handle? The steady cam floats behind the fish tank. We watch them through it, like they are underwater. Nadia. I don't play. Mike, you don't play? Nadia. No, I don't care for him. She puts his hand down her pants. Nadia continued. Get out of here. My place is just a few blocks away. Mike. Jesus, you're wet. Nadia. I know, right? It's like, don't go chasing waterfalls. Mike. Now that you've invoked the spirit of Lisa Left Eye Lopez, I must go home with you. <laughs> Nadia. You had me at Left Eye. Interior, Stella's loft entrance, night. Ten minutes later, over the course of her interaction with Mike, the party has transformed. It is no longer a warm birthday party, more of a seedier scene. Nadia, on her way out, tries to wave down Stella. Sound effect. Stella's doorbell. A clangy thud or a crackled buzz. Angle on, Stella. Among guests, their overlapping conversation obscured her shouts to Nadia. Stella. Do you hear that, or am I insane? Is that the door? Can you get it? Nadia opens the door to Ruth, 60s, 70s, Nadia's Riken therapist and Stella's aunt. She sounds like Harvey Firestein, thanks to a lifetime of chain smoking Carltons, and act like she knows your life story. Ruth. Those stairs almost killed me. Nothing in the world is easy, except pissing in the shower. Nadia. Hey, Ruth. Ruth. Happy birthday, pumpkin. They embrace. Nadia. Sorry I missed the session on Tuesday. Ruth. I was worried. I think maybe I scared you off starting you on such a strict sexual regimen. It's simple. The orgasm is life. Repeat after me. The orgasm. Nadia. Please don't read into why I missed Tuesday's therapy. Actually, I guess that's your job, so I'm just all over the place. My cat's missing. Ruth. Oatmeal's gone? Since Tuesday? Nadia. No. Separate events. You're not going to charge me, are you? Ruth. Of course not. We're practically family, Nadia. But this oatmeal situation is very distressing. Nadia. I'm headed out now to check and see if he came home. Enjoy the party. Ruth. Party? I'm afraid not, love. This is just a loose gathering of soft intellectuals. Squints. Where's my niece? Nadia points to, angle on, Stella and the crowd. Mike enters. We rack focus on him. And as Ruth chatters, he walks into a single shot, his eye line close to the camera. Ruth, off-screen, continued. In my day, a party was a goddamn party. Have I ever told you about the one about my first husband and Hedy Lamar in Cancun? Mike joins them. Hello. Nadia. Mike, Ruth, Ruth, Mike. Since both Mike and Nadia are dressed to go, Ruth puts two and two together and beams at them. Ruth. Wonderful. Excellent work, Nadia. Mike. I'm sorry? Ruth. Takes his hand. I've known Nadia her whole life. She is one of the good guys. To Nadia, in her ear. Only our natural capacity for love can master sadistic destruction. She winks at her and floats into the party, almost swallowed by the entangled bodies of the guests. Mike. Say your mom, Nadia. My therapist, a strict Riken. Mike. What does that mean, Nadia? It means your homework. Cut to exterior, Stella's loft, night. Minutes later, East Village, 8th Street and Avenue B. Tompkins Square Park. Nadia and Mike exit Stella's apartment. Nadia immediately lights up a cigarette across the street, angle on, Nadia's POV. Horse, 30s. Very handsome and apparently homeless oddball. He's the kind of gutter punk you see panhandling with a one-legged German shepherd in a bandana. He has a fair amount of face tattoos. He makes eye contact with Nadia. Do they know each other? He can't tell and neither can she. Mike takes her by the arm. They exit as they float up to the inscription on Stella's building. Talmud Torah Dirch Moam. Soundtrack Cool It Down by the Velvet Underground. Cut to interior Nadia's apartment night. Time jump. An hour later. 
Nadia postcoital on an iPhone. Much like Stella's, Nadia's apartment is another historic turned residential building in the East Village, the Cristadora. Only Nadia's is a small one bedroom, one bath. Unlike the open space of Stella's loft, Nadia's space is very limited. The walls feel like they're caving in with overstuffed bookshelves. Overflowing ashtrays litter every surface. Her computer with multiple monitors and keyboards sits like a shrine on a corner desk. Many programs running. On a wall, a poster of William Burroughs with the phrase, life's a killer. Nadia types and swipes. Mike enters. Nadia discreetly tosses the iPhone on an ancient sofa. Mike, I don't know why anal play is still so taboo for straight males. It seems almost parodic at this point, but it's like I tell my students, patting his pants. Where's my phone? Nadia. On the couch. Mike picks up the iPhone Nadia used. Nadia stares at the untouched bowl of cat food. Mike notices. Mike, where's your cat? Nadia. I don't know. Mike, outdoor, indoor? Nadia. Huh? Mike, do you have access to outside? Nadia. Why are you assuming my cat is male? Mike, uh, Nadia. Kind of bold. I'm single and a cat owner, so my choice to foster an animal must be a pathetic attempt to fill the hole in my soul that would otherwise be filled by a penis. Mike, game for a debate. Ah, you'd like me to call you a sad cat lady so you can assert that you aren't one. Rubs hands together. I haven't had one of these since I was married. Bring it on. Nadia. Being a feline lover is not and has never been sad. Have you seen the 1982 film Cat People? It holds up. Mike. It saddens me that females in this generation seem pathologically unable to disentangle the state of being sexually free with their fear of being alone or even gasp unwanted. Nadia. Fear created by men. Mike, not true. Nadia. Eh, I doubt women came up with the idea of the one. I mean, think about it. Who benefits if ladies are looking and men are settling? Mike turned on. Why didn't you talk like this before we fucked? Nadia. Thought you wanted me for my body. Mike. And this is part of your therapy? How my homework? Nadia sighs and sits on the couch across from him. Nadia. So Reich was an analyst who thought Freud's death instinct was the buildup of unused sexual energy. Ruth thinks pair bonding, marriage or formal partnerships are just our modern ways of trying to control death and are destined to fail. Mike. Kinda harsh. Nadia. Says the divorced guy. Mike. I don't think 10 years and a kid is failure. I think it's sad but not nadia the one in practical application means the one i'm going to die with to take care of you when you're infirm and shit so my move is going to be to wait till i'm in like my late 60s then seal the deal mike what if you die before 50 nadia well i can cheat the death instinct i don't think i can cheat actual death he stares what mike would you sit on my face right now mike's phone makes a noise he's surprised nadia i would but i called you Uber. mike on my phone? Nadia. I don't pay for Ubers when I do butt stuff. Hard cut to. Time jump. Later. Nadia. Now alone. Sits at her computer. She writes code. Listens to her headphones and pounds Red Bull. Soundtrack. Shadow play by Joy Division. Reverse angle. Her computer screen. Lines of code fly across the black screen, pushing the previous line up and away. On Nadia's desk sits a rushing nesting doll. A set of wooden dolls, decreasing size, placed one inside another. Cut to. Angle on POV inside Nadia's fridge. She pokes her head in. There are only a few items and nothing edible. Interior, deli, night. Later, angle on, rows of brightly packaged cat food and litter. Reverse on, Nadia somberly contemplates them. Nadia does a late night deli run. 
She grabs a half dozen cans of Fancy Feast and books it to the cashier. The deli patrons are appropriately weird for the neighborhood in early a.m. hour. An ancient old man with multiple used shopping bags, an intense woman shakes plastic containers of nuts, a dirty young couple paw at each other and steal nitrous oxide siphons from whipped cream canisters. Nadia approaches Ferran, 20s, lanky, Middle Eastern, running the counter. Nadia gives her items to him. Cottage cheese, crackers, prosciutto, one cucumber, plus the cat food. Nadia in Arabic. Hey, Ferran, how are you? Ferran in Arabic. Pretty good, Nadia, you? Nadia in Arabic. Long live Allah. In English. And that's all the Arabic I know. Carton of camels. She goes for a wallet. It's not on her. Nadia continued. Holy shit. You're not going to believe this. I don't... I forgot my wallet. Ferran stares at her, stone-faced. Nadia continued. Uh... She looks up at angle on wall clock. It's 1.42 a.m. Nadia continued. I think I left it at my party. Ferran. Wild night. Nadia. Not really. I just... I just need to... Look, do you have a pen and paper? Ferran. Sure. He slides a pen and a notepad her way. She writes her name on a slip and then places it on her stack of groceries. Nadia. I'll be right back. We get close on the note. Nadia's handwriting. We will need to recognize her handwriting later. The dot of her eye seems distinctive. It will be enough for us to remember. Exterior deli continuous. Corner of 10th Street and Avenue B. Whoosh. A yellow cab whizzes by Nadia who starts down the street towards her place. Sound effects. A cat meowing. Meow, meow. Nadia freezes. Her senses heighten. All the diegetic sounds drop. All we hear is meow, meow. Nadia looks around, calm, centered, ready to answer the call. And then she sees, angle on, a fluffy gray and white Siberian cat pokes his head out of the dark, dense night of Tompkins Square Park. Back on Nadia, a softness previously undetected in her personality oozes from her body. Nadia. Hey there, my little one. Oatmeal looks at her and then splits. He splits back in the darkness of Tompkins Square Park. All the diegetic sounds of the East Village come roaring back as Nadia sprints into the street after him. And wham, a yellow cab slams into her. Her blood and brain splatter on the windshield. Her dead body bounces from the car to the street, a sickening crack as she lands. Then stillness. It's all over in a few seconds. We push in on Nadia's corpse. Off screen, Ferran shouts. We continue to push in, extreme close-up, Nadia's eye, glassy, dead, sound effects, water, the powerful sound of a river, or is it a faucet? Soundtrack, Gotta Get Up by Harry Nilsson. Interior bathroom night. We are back to where we were at the beginning of the episode. Nadia stares at herself in the mirror and washes her hands in Stella's bathroom. There's a loud knock at the door. Nadia turns off the faucet. A loud second knock pounds the door. She goes for the door, then she stops. Door is the same as it was, still covered in sculpture paper mache portal, which is still just an art piece. Close on Nadia's face. She registers this moment as something significant. Maybe she's done this before. Maybe she's concerned with what's on the other side. Perhaps she's waiting for that third knock. With a rush of anxiety, she flings the door open. Sound effects. A cacophony of sound and music. Jump cut two. Interior, Stella's loft, kitchen, night. A few minutes later, Stella prepares her chicken. Nadia across from her. It's all exactly as it was before. Stella in the same outfit, same spirit, same action. Stella. Sweet birthday, baby. Having fun? Nadia takes in the scene again. Jump cuts. Stella overstimulated, distracted by guests. Her chicken, a desecrated carcass. Stella continued, offering a joint. 
It's laced with cocaine like the Israelis do it. Nadia takes the joint, but this time doesn't smoke it. Note, Nadia is not fully cognizant of the fact that she is seeing, feeling, and hearing the same things all over again. It's more of an uneasy feeling of deja vu, not full recall. Stella, on the other hand, behaves exactly as she did before. Not robotic, but blissfully ignorant, like she's programmed. Nadia. Stella. Stella. Oh God, you're having a terrible birthday. I'm a terrible friend. This party is just my manic episode. Nadia. What was I just doing? Stella. Why? What do you mean? You were in the bathroom. You mean before that? Nadia. Yeah, I, I can't remember. I don't know. You were here, smoking, drinking, having a midlife crisis. Her smile falls. You really can't remember? What were you doing before you came over? Nadia remembers. Oatmeal. He's gone. Stella. Gone? No, he's a cat. He always comes back. When he gets hungry. Nadia. Maybe he finally gave up. You think it's possible for pets to commit suicide? Or do animals just have stronger self-preservation instincts because they don't have souls? Stella, appalled, hands covered in dead chicken. Animals have souls, Nadia? Jesus! Nadia. I don't know what I'm saying. I feel weird. Maybe I just turned 36 two minutes ago and it's just hitting me now. Stella. Well, you're freaking me out, which you are totally allowed to do. Well, you're freaking me out, which you are totally allowed to do. It's your birthday party, but now I'm worried about the fish. Will you go check on them? Nadia. I'm gonna try to rustle up a fish tank situation anyway. Stella. Enjoy yourself, and if oatmeal's not back tonight, we'll search Tompkins tomorrow. The joint is burnt down to Nadia's finger, and it singes her. She winces and drops it. She never smoked it. Interior, Stella's loft, bedroom, night. Later, Nadia and Mike, fish tank. Mike in the same outfit, same spirit, prattles as he did before, but this time about a different subject. Nadia listens, but absentmindedly, a little like someone going through the motions, as she stares into the fish tank, wondering if fish have souls. Mike, mid-monologue. So it's like John Updike said, every marriage tends to consist of aristocrats and a peasant, of a teacher and a learner. Since my ex-wife also teaches at Fordham, it was this imbalance of Nadia, absentmindedly. You got kids. Mike, that's your pickup line? There's a pause. Nadia stares at Mike, surprised. She remembers this dialogue. Note, when Nadia recognizes dialogue, it allows her to settle even more into the situation she's in. Mike does not have any sense that this has happened before. He's experiencing all of this as if it was the first time. Nadia. A son. You've got a son. Mike. Yeah. His mother and I, we broke up. Nadia. Last year. Mike. Have we met before? Nadia. I think I have amnesia. Mike. But you just remembered something. Amnesia means you forgot stuff. Nadia has already lost interest. It is back to the fish. Nadia, re the fish. You know, it's a myth that fish have no memory. Sometimes they can remember months. And a channel catfish can remember a human voice announcing food five years after last hearing it. Mike, if what they remember serves as an evolutionary purpose, contributes to survival, Nadia. But we don't. Mike, huh? Nadia. Human memories don't serve evolutionary purposes. Mike. Fire. Ouch. Next time, fire? No thanks. Nadia. I mean, yeah, some of them do. But like, what about shame or nostalgia? How do they help us survive? Mike, pause. Really thinks. They don't. Nadia. What? Mike, would you sit on my face right now? Nadia. Can I finish you off at my place? He nods enthusiastically. She pushes him onto Stella's bed and gets ready to mount him. Interior, Stella's loft. Entrance. Later. Nadia prepares to leave turns to wave down Stella when she sees. Angle on a small fire near the kitchen, started by the joint she dropped. Several guests put it out. 
Nadia cocks her head to one side, contemplating this crisis she created. Nadia. Fire. Ouch. Sound effect. Stella's doorbell. Nadia opens the door to Ruth. My knees. Those stairs are a bitch, but I can't complain. The only thing easy in life is taking a piss in the shower. Nadia isn't listening because Ruth is not alone this time. Alan, 40s, Ruth's grandson and a renowned astrophysicist. He wears a three-piece suit and holds Ruth's purse for her. There's something seductively disruptive about him, not just because he wasn't with Ruth the first time we saw this scene. Ruth continued. Have you ever met Alan? He's my godson and a space celebrity. This is Nadia. Nadia and Alan shake hands. Nadia. Full disclosure, I'm no longer in my early to mid-30s. Alan. Full disclosure, I'm also a big fan of pissing in the shower. Mike enters, ready to go. He sees Nadia's hand still resting in Alan's. His face falls. Mike's night is over. Interior, Stella's loft, night, later, an hour or so. Nadia and Alan chat in a private corner of the party. Nadia. Jet propulsion lab? Wow, an actual rocket scientist. You don't meet those every day. Alan. Well, I do actually. Nadia. Right. To you, they're co-workers. To me, they're the right stuff. Pause. Did you get that reference? Alan. Oh, sure. The right stuff is to NASA nerds what the fabulous stains is to girls like you. Nadia. What are you, running a touche race? Alan laughs. <laughs> I know that Stella pays for this space with the blood of Whitney Biennials, but how does a nice girl like you end up with a rent-controlled condo in the Lower East Side? Not to be gauche. Nadia. No, please, be a fucking animal. It suits you. So does that three-piece suit. The suit suits you. He doesn't laugh. She smiles coyly and decides to get real. Nadia continued, shield lowering. My mom left it to me. She bought it in the 80s. Back then, a Russian immigrant could afford a place here. Now... Alan. Now it's the beautiful people. They take in the guests, dancing, chatting, imbibing. Alan continued. When did she pass? Nadia. Dark. Alan. I'm sorry, it's none of my business. Nadia. I was three. The only things I know about her are stories, real estate, and a babushka doll. Alan. Pardon me? Nadia. Those Russian nesting dolls? Like those egg-shaped dolls that get smaller and smaller? My grandmother gave it to her, and then when my mom died, she gave it to me. And someday, I will give it to my dead cat. Alan. Heavy. Nadia. I mean, I don't know if my cat's dead. I'm, I'm just assuming. Stella approaches, carrying a video projector. Stella. I heard we have a legitimate big deal astronaut here, and I want to show you this. Sets up projector. I made it for Hauser and Worth, and they hated it. But you might be into it. Don't judge me. This is a safe space. Click. Sella's projector lights up and shines her work onto the ceiling. Nadia and Alan look up at. Angle on the night sky. Constellations. We weave throughout the solar system, flying by planets. We get to Jupiter. Alan leans in. His mouth nestled the corner of Nadia's neck. Alan points to the ceiling. Can you see it? Nadia. A water stain or? Alan. Juno. Nadia. Is Juno a star? Or just a collective fever dream we all experienced as a society in 2007. Alan. It's a satellite. On the 4th of July last year, it inserted itself into the orbit of Jupiter. And me and a bunch of nerds in Pasadena put it up there. Nadia. Seriously? JPL headquarters are in Pasadena? Weird move, NASA. Angle on. Nadia's POV. Alan's hand and fingers in the foreground. Stella's projection in the background. He mimes placing something into the heavens. Back on, Nadia. All diegetic sound goes out. She is lost, disconnected, disoriented. Alan's voice remains in her head. Alan off screen. I like Jupiter, but I'm more of a Mars guy. This physicist I work with, he's a Pluto guy. Nadia. I think my cat's dead. She comes back into the scene, as does the diegetic sound. 
there's been a time jump. Several new guests have joined Alan, Stella, and Nadia, including Ruth, who is mid-story. Everyone eats Stella's chicken. Ruth. So I'm nine years old. It's way past my bedtime. I'm peering out over the railing of the staircase, and I hear Tallulah Bankhead say, do you have any cigarettes? You have to remember, she was one of the biggest MGM stars at the time. A total wild thing and a knockout. Pause to Nadia. Did you hear this one already? Nadia gets up. She might throw up. Interior. Stella's loft hallway. An alcove outside the bathroom. Some guests wait in line. Nadia stops at the door, contemplating it. Once again, the tangible portal-like qualities of the door remain fascinating to her. Is this the cause of it all? Angle on Nadia, in front of the candy cane-colored wallpaper, desperate for an answer to her deja vu. She flings it open, inside. Interior, bathroom, continuous. The bathroom, just another room, as the door is just another door. It's almost eerie how real and tactile it all is. A lesbian couple make out near the sink. One of them is Lizzie. Lizzie. What the fu- Hey, Nods, many happy returns. Nadia, disoriented, tries to piece together what's going on. Nadia. I think I might throw up. Lizzie. You okay? Nadia. Does this bathroom seem kinda, I don't know, weird to you? Lizzie. How so? Lizzie, glances at her girl. How so? Nadia. Like, haunted or something? Lizzie. No? I mean, besides the shitty commercial joint fillers trying to patch the leaky U-joint. It's a pretty nice bathroom. Takes in Nadia. Uh, you, you drank too much? Nadia. Oh, no, I didn't drink at all. Lizzie. Smoke too much then. She frantically splashes water, like to wake herself up. Nadia. No, that's not it. I, like, I can't even remember the last time I ate, but other things are so clear. It's as if they've already happened, and I'm doing them again. Lizzie is inclined to shrug this off, but Nadia's intensity is impossible to ignore. Alan, off screen. Hey, you are right in here? Alan appears. Alan continued, sees Lizzie and her girl. Oh, sorry. Lizzie. Big NASA fan. An angry guest pokes his head into the door. Angry guest. Hey, we've got people hopping up and down on one leg out here. Angle on Alan and Nadia. She's still uneasy and looks to him for something. Guidance, answers, his face softens. Alan. Let's get out of here. Your place is just a few blocks away. Notices her face. Jesus, you're wet. Nadia recognizes this dialogue. It's the same as hers and Mike's. It makes her feel safer, relieves her panic, and makes her want to make a decision. Nadia smiles. I know, right? It's like, don't go chasing waterfalls. Interior, deli, night. Later, same deli and patrons. Nadia and Alan get provisions. Alan. You feeling better? Nadia. Yeah, I must have smoked one of Stella's joints. And coke are like oil and vinegar. I don't have the best track record with mixing substances. Alan. Or metaphors. Nadia. I said like oil and vinegar. That's a fucking simile. They approach Ferran. She pats her pockets. Nadia. Continued. I don't seem to have my wallet. Alan. It's on me. Nadia lays out her items for purchase. They are the same as what she bought the first time she went to the deli. This time she adds a strip of condoms. Nadia to Alan about the condoms. No pressure. In Arabic. Hey, Ferran, how are you? Ferran, cheery as he was before. Ferran, in Arabic. Pretty good, Nadia. You? Nadia, in Arabic. Long live Allah. Carton of camels, please. Alan. You speak Arabic? Nadia. Weird. I'm speaking Arabic. Laughs in Arabic. Have I always known this much Arabic? Ferran, shrugs in Arabic. Who's the suit? Nadia, in Arabic. Just a birthday present. Ferran, in Arabic. Be careful. I never trust a suit. Nadia winks at Ferran. Alan notices. Alan. What are you saying? Are you 
Nadia to Alan. Sorry, that's the drugs winking. They exit. Exterior, deli, night. Nadia stops short of the street. She sees Angle on across the street, exactly where her cat was last time. His horse, the attractive, maybe homeless guy. He smiles Cheshire-like. She starts to move. Alan exits the deli. Alan. Hey! She stops. Vroom. The yellow cab that hit her before passes them, clearing her this time. Nadia yelling at horse. Do I know you? To Alan. I feel like I know that guy. At horse. Hey! Horse. What? Nadia. Do we know each other? Horse. Fuck off! Nadia shrugs. I don't know. Sounds like my ex, though. Alan. I think I should just drop you off home. You need some sleep. Nadia. Or I'm suffering some sort of brain malfunction and going to bed would be the worst thing to do. Alan. The hospital? Nadia. Ugh, I've spent enough time in those. After the first six hours, they were wash. Take me on a walk. Alan takes her by the arm. They exit. Horse watches them go. Exterior. East River. Night. Later, somewhere between the Manhattan and Williamsburg bridges, the hour is late, but the sky is purple with creeping dawn. Nadia and Alan walk. Nadia. Impressive, huh? Alan. Not bad. Nadia. Look, I wouldn't kick Pasadena out of bed on a weekday, but this is... Alan. It is, but honestly, it doesn't feel like a real place to me. Nadia. Okay. Alan. New York City is a city with several iconic images that wildly precede it. After seeing it in films both romantic and violent, or on the news being attacked, it's not real to me. Nadia lights a cigarette. Please, 9-11 conspiracy theories are a huge bomber killer around here. Alan, cigarette. Those will kill you. Nadia. I heard. Alan. What do you do? Nadia. I code. Alan. You program. What language? Nadia. Ruby. I know how 2010 of me. Alan, hands up. I didn't say anything. Nadia. I could feel your nerd judgment. It's like regular judgment, only bad at sports. Alan. What are you working on now? Nadia. I'm fixing a bug for my buddy's new software. Some loops weren't built right. You're into this, Mr. Rocket Science Nobel Prize? Alan. Big time. Nadia. Well, in the dialogue of code, there are these things called loops, and sometimes these loops have no terminating conditions. Conditions that can't be met or that cause it to start over. An infinite loop. Alan. We deal with a lot of infinity as well. You heard of the Drake equation? Nadia. Yeah. Estimates the possible number of galaxies with intelligent life? Alan. It's more like a mathematical security blanket. Humans have trouble contemplating the vastness of time and space because they don't like the concept of infinity. Nadia. You just said humans like you aren't one. Just a heads up, I only fuck humans. Alan. Jovially. We aren't having sex tonight. Alan turns to her. Nadia realizes that they are really close to the pedestrian railing, the East River below them. Nadia. Hey, so I'm picking up some intense Mr. Goodbar vibes here, and I got an early morning. Alan. How many lives do you think you have left? Nadia. What? Alan. You want to find out? He grins, bear hugs her, and throws both their bodies into exterior underwater continuous, the cold water of the East River. This sequence has a surreal feel to it. It's dark, and we can't quite make out what's happening. We focus on Nadia struggles against Alan. He has a hand around her wrist and pulls her down. His eyes wild, his expression at peace, as light drains from his face. Alan. Meow. He breathes in water, dies, and lets go of her. Nadia fights up to the surface, pumps her legs, then her plastic deli bag smothers her. She tries to free herself. Hard cut to darkness, sound effects, water gushing like a flood or a faucet. Soundtrack, Gotta Get Up, by Harry Nielsen. Cut to interior bathroom night. We are back to where we were at the beginning of the episode. Nadia washes her hands in Stella's bathroom. Close on Nadia's face. 
she is uneasy. Then we realize it. She's not breathing. Then she coughs up almost a liter of river water into the sink. She stares at it, trying to piece together what's going on. She looks at her reflection. There's a loud knock at the door, the same door. With a rush of anxiety, she flings the door open. Guests file in as she exits. Interior, Stella's loft, kitchen, night. Moments later, Stella prepares her chicken. Everything is the same as it was. Stella behaves exactly as she has in the past versions of the scene. Nadia enters, less disoriented, more determined. Note, she still doesn't fully understand that she is repeating the same experience, only that she threw up water and feels unease and deja vu. Stella. Sweet birthday, baby. Having fun? It's laced with cocaine. Offering a joint. Nadia. I gotta go. I'm sick. Stella. What's wrong? Nadia. I'm puking. Stella. Well, you don't have to leave. Have a glass of water. Nadia. No, water is what I'm puking. Exterior, Stella's loft night. Nadia exits. It's raining. She barrels down the street towards her place. Across the street, horse watches her go. Interior, Nadia's apartment night. She takes off her coat, scarf, and throws them plus her bag onto the couch. Squeak. She picks up a cat toy. She stares at it intently, then squeaks it again. She looks at herself in the mirror. She inspects herself. Her left wrist, the one Alan held while trying to drag her to the bottom of the East River, seems a little red, irritated. Nadia, to herself. The fuck is happening? She goes to her computer with multiple monitors. She reloads. She watches as the code with the infinite loop quietly loads and reloads. She sits at the keyboard. She considers working. Then, rack focus to the Matrioska Russian doll on her desktop. She opens it. And inside the first doll is a note, and it reads, Go to the deli. This is her handwriting. The I is dotted like the note she wrote and put on her groceries. Note, she at some point wrote this note to herself and left it in the doll for her to find. She exits out of focus in the background. In the foreground and is in focus is the Russian doll. Wooden, all smiles. Cut to black. We know it all or nothing at all. We know it all.